0: I, one time I remember I asked Marisol, I was like, uh, do you know anybody that, like, does cool outfits, but it's, like, not their thing, like, they don't do it on Instagram, and she's like, everybody just does it on Instagram, like, there's nobody who just does it, but I feel like you, Ro, just actually do it, like, like, you'll do stuff in real life that you don't really see on the internet, like, you're not, like, making a big deal, but you could, you could totally be one of those people.
1: I don't like the idea of transforming myself in an internet persona.
0: Why? Because um, it's not its not a fake, you know? It would be-
1: I think, I think two, two reasons. I don't think I have the self-confidence to do it. Uh, well, three reasons. I don't have the self-confidence to do it. I am not interested in investing my energy in that type of outcome. Like, I, I will invest my energy on creating things in a different way because they're more more pleasant to me. And lastly, um, I value my privacy. I don't know, it's like special to me.
0: Yeah, but do you feel like, if it's kind of like if you're known for that, then it's, you know, you could be known for other things, for doing things, and that might diminish that.
2: I
1: mean, definitely once you grow a big number of followers, then you can manipulate and use those followers for whatever you want to. Yeah. Like for example, I used to follow this um, um, Instagrammer influencer yeah. because she would talk a lot about recipes and things that you could eat if you had PCOS.
2: What is that? And I like,
1: PCOS is, um, polycystic ovary syndrome, which I do have. Okay. So I was very interested on that. And then she had a fucking mental breakdown because (laughs) actually she's like obsessive compulsive and she has a problem with food like like a food disorder and and talking so much about diet culture even though it was applied to her health was affecting her yeah she decides to change gears completely and now her and now her instagram is not about food anymore it's about dogs of her like pictures of her dog Uh and interior design <laughs> and i'm like okay i'm getting the fuck out of here i'm not interested Bye. i'm not following you anymore yeah. but 350,000 people stayed with her and That's it doesn't crazy. matter yeah she can post about interior design even though you were there for the food and people like it because people a lot of people they identify you as a friend
2: yeah
1: they think I, you're part of their yeah. circle
0: you could be, you kind of know them after a while yeah
1: exactly like like they they run into you and and they're like i know you yeah you know
0: yeah i think some of that i think you do know them a little bit like more than you know
1: absolutely and that is what i don't want i want to choose who enters my my life yeah because i think my privacy is a treasure in a way but like i said i wouldn't want to invest so much so much energy on outfits it's just it doesn't interest me that much
0: do you like when i don't see you are you in like sweatpants because i feel like every time i see you it's like a pretty good outfit but is I it try, to maintain that every day
1: i try my very best to have a cute outfit even when nobody sees me because it, it directs my emotional well-being in such a direct way I
2: can see that, that if,
1: I'm not, if I'm not wearing cute clothes, I'm like, I feel like a mess.
2: Yeah.
1: So my main asset lately is I went to Chinatown and I bought these Chinese pajamas uh-huh. that I, I saw it. Like my friend had them and I'm like, oh my God. So it's like a Mao neck with like the Chinese bottoms. Super cute. It's like cotton, kind of linen. And the jacket, t-shirt, what's just shirt, we could say shirt slash jacket, matches the pants, so it's like a complete set. So if I wear it with these glasses, it looks like I'm going to do like a spoken word at any time or something like that. It's like, and I love it.
0: Rocio, do you ever feel like you're passing the point of no return?
1: Sometimes.
0: Do you ever feel like an apricot trapped in an apple's body?
1: Sometimes.
0: Or do you ever feel like you're constantly shouldering the weight of a giant inverted bell? Each and
1: every day, Ryan, each and every day. I was telling Bert the other day that I will, I will make a great millionaire. Because we have this tradition in Spain with the the Christmas lottery.
2: Okay.
1: And uh, so everyone and their mothers in the country buys this lottery for Christmas. So you you grow hope, you know, you grow hope that you're going to make it. And I was thinking, what I will do with the money? And I'm like, I will make such a great millionaire because I think I will create, first thing first, like a community center that it will be like, a movie theater slash um, organic communal uh, garden slash meeting point, like like a beautiful place for people to enjoy. Open to everybody, yeah. but I think I don't have many things. But I think I have good taste. Yeah, and that's like that's something great when you when you have good taste because it's like um, um you have a lot of money. And have the tackiest house,
2: right? Yeah, all yeah. oh, those
1: houses with like golden things,
0: yeah, they look but like think, lord houses, yeah,
1: exactly. But I think if you give me the millions, oh my god, like <laughs> my outfits are gonna be so on point, yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. No, I always think about oh. the, like, what kind of house I could make and, and just weird stuff, yeah, like I, I um, like.
1: Wrong people have those millions a lot of the wrong people yeah. just give them to me i promise you good things for everybody and rocking outfits every day
0: well, i hope you win did you find out yet or when is that good? i out? found out
1: i'm not a millionaire
0: oh, okay
2: yeah yeah
0: uh you and i are both
2: are we recording this already
0: i know we're recording i don't know when it's gonna actually like start you know like, maybe, like be like oh that part was boring but uh, but uh we're
1: we're... rolling us please
0: i see i can see that (laughs) um we're both kind of directors you and me um Mm -hmm. i know and Mm -hmm. i imagine uh oh yeah so like i think who who's watching this you know later might be um Probably like people that want to be directors, right? Maybe they're like younger than us. Maybe they're not. I don't know. But like, what would you tell them that you know might benefit them? Like, what would what what have you figured out that was hard for you to learn, and and you know would be helpful for them? Do you think?
1: Mm, okay, so I cannot tell much. I, I I have no idea of most things, but I'm gonna tell you about something that might be helpful. Okay. This thing that you just said that we are sort of directors.
2: Yeah.
1: It's very appropriate because it took me forever to be able to not only introduce myself as a film director, to accept that someone will call me a film director. I will yeah. get highly uncomfortable.
2: Yeah. I'm it was
1: sure. like, no, I, I need to make ten feature films. Right. Win every possible award. Yes. Get everyone and their mothers publishing an article about the movies and then maybe. Right. You know, like I'm so hard on myself.
0: Yeah, me too. But
1: I, I needed to prove it not to not to everyone, to myself that I was that. Yeah. But I think that is directly connected to two things. First thing first, my background. Like I was born in a working class, middle class family in a tiny little town in Southern Spain, which Southern Spain is already like the South, you know, it's like a poor area, mostly farmers. My parents were school teachers, but I didn't grow up in an environment in which being an artist was even an option. Yeah, Like that was a waste of money, a waste of time. Like, are you crazy? That was like a fantasy. There was like a thing that you, read in literature that you see movies like literally fantasies like like uh so no that was not an option in my life and uh i think even my creativity that was it was something that will come out naturally me it was punished like it was like why are you doing this stop doing these nonsensical things you need to be practical you need to be responsible oh my god responsible is is my parents favorite word <laughs> but you know they're middle class and they 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 struggle they hustle and they they work hard yeah. so they want a good future for me so that's one when you grow up that way it takes you forever to give yourself the opportunity of doing that it takes you to leave your little town being a rebel getting to a fight with your family who doesn't understand what you're doing and obviously they're not going to support it because they believe you're going to end up homeless uh it takes you to do the emotional work of telling yourself hey you can be the things that you want to be and you can be the things that you naturally are because honestly i don't think i chose to be this i think this is the only thing that i'm good at
2: That's honestly too. yeah
1: like i'm not that good at many things right i mean don't say that. You even play music. I'm horrible at music. Like i like really, yeah. like it's be like visual language. I think is my thing, and it's just it comes out natural. But it took me forever to treat myself right and to tell me, "Hey, you, you're allowed to do these things. You can do these things." So that's one, and then the second one is the privilege that we all are given in life. And I feel like some people, and this is directly connected to the first reason actually, it could be the same reason in the end of the day. Like, I think a lot of people, they have a trajectory that is almost a straight line, probably because their circumstances and they go to these institutions, like, let's say, Uh, high school that is focused on arts or let's say this very prestigious college or this master's degree or this graduate program. And in these programs, they tell you, hello, you're an artist, you're a filmmaker, Yeah. and you believe it.
2: Yeah.
1: And because somebody else told you that you are, you believe it, and that is very helpful. Not only that, you have the quality stamp from these institutions.
0: Yeah, CalArts, I feel like it's kind of like that.
1: Oh, CalArts is 100% that. Yeah, yeah. Uh but what happens that color is a beautiful example. I always dreamed to to attend to Cal Arts, but it's extremely expensive.
2: Yeah.
1: It's not available to everybody. Yeah. Uh, most people that attend these schools and this is a reality are coming from wealthy backgrounds. Some of them they have scholarships which I cannot even apply to because I'm an immigrant. But I mean, that's my life and it, it's irrelevant. I'm like what I'm trying to say is when you go through these institutions, you get this stamp that it's like, okay, you're a filmmaker, buy this stamp, right? So you start believing and oh my God, the power of believing that something is possible, it's way bigger than the power of your own talent.
2: Yeah, right, I agree.
1: You probably have the potential of claiming a mountain, but if you don't believe you're able to get out of bed, you won't. Yeah. Like you, the moment somebody tells you, "Hey, you can do this thing," yeah. you're like, "Oh my god, can I do this thing?" And you just go and do it. Yeah. So for me, I read recently in this beautiful book called "Here, um, Here Now." <laughs> I think "Here Now." Okay. Uh, it's the book by Ramdas.
2: Okay, I don't know.
1: So it's it's a beautiful, beautiful book. It's it's a book that years ago came into my hands and I look at it and I've read another person saying the same thing about this book. I looked at it and I was like, wow, this is kind of beautiful, but very random. I don't get it. And then after doing a lot of therapy, emotional work, spiritual work, I looked at this book again and I was like, oh my God, I got emotional. I was like, everything I've learned is here. It was here the whole time. And it's a book that in the end of the day, it talks about being present.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Being present and um and cultivate a good relationship with your ego. But, anyways, I read in this book something that really stood with me related to this. And in one of the pages, it says, You cannot reap off the skin of the snake you need to wait until the snake wants to change this the, the skin right Yeah. I meaning get- things are gonna happen when they need to happen and for some people because of the background in which they grew up because of their economical circumstances some people probably they get a degree in color when they're 25 and then they're ready and then they know it and then they're gonna go and get it for some other people, it's going to take longer. It's going to take you to meet the right people. Those friends are going to take you places. You're, you're going to get a job that is going to give you a little bit of money that you're going to buy a camera. And probably going to take you 15 years more, but you're going to get there. That's what I'm learning myself. And then I'm also learning in my case, because I mean, at this point you can only guess that I don't have a degree in color arts, (laughs) but I'm learning about the power of being self-taught. I buy a lot of books, I read them, I experiment. Most of the time I'm terrified. I get this giant anxiety of what are you doing because you're alone and you're gonna fuck up And every time you fuck up, you're like, okay, I'm a failure. I guess I need to quit. But then you need to go like, oh, no, let's do it again. And even though 90% of the time I will be whining and going like – I just want to have a degree in color arts and all those connections and and all those amazing mentors i want james benning to see my movies and shannon lockhart to give me feedback but then there are moments there is this 10 percent probably that i'm like you're doing really good you did this by yourself you were really hard you got those books you set up your own moviola and your own 60 millimeters editing station and you did it all your like you watched those YouTube videos, girl. Yeah. So
2: Yeah, you might that's, made, all, uh,
1: I that's yeah. all I can say to these people that, that I don't know what it means, but but these are things that I've been going through and I think somebody out there maybe is going through the same.
0: Yeah. Because not a
1: lot of people have a lot of money.
0: Right. <laughs> yeah, I and mean, it's it's super expensive. It's like that's the most expensive art form. It's really true um i i would say the same kind of thing that like just sort of do it and expect to mess it up like you know five times and then like that might suck like you shot that whole thing it didn't come out but just get through that you could get through that in like a month or two right and then like you'll then you'll be fine but i was gonna ask you too that kind of relates to that is uh i always see you as being like you react to things as being like kind of funny and it's not a big deal, but you'll tell me things. Like, I remember mean, when we hung out, maybe the last time I saw you and you were like, Oh yeah, that like, I shot three rolls on that video. Uh, and it was not, it's not on video. It was a music video, but a um, film. And uh, one of them didn't come out, something it didn't get loaded, right. Or something. And like when that happens to me, I'm like, I want to throw this fucking camera on, on, on the ground. Like I, I, I need to like, something else in my life like i shouldn't be playing you know like you're saying but like i so you'll say that you felt bad about that but like i don't see it maybe i just haven't been there when you know that's happened to you but like do you really take it hard like that or like it's not that bad for you in the moment um
1: i i have a lot of moments of of being really hard on myself
0: yeah because i don't see that from you yeah
1: like like I think I'm way more positive to others.
2: Uh-huh.
1: Like I think I, I know how to see the beauty in my friends and the people around me, and I I'll be much better on encouraging you to do crazy things than on doing those crazy things myself. Yeah, and I think in a way, uh, being like something that we have talked about before as well is like creating collectives. I think being part of a community is also positive because of that, because we have a tendency of being really hard on ourselves, but yeah. then you're going to have a colleague or a friend that is going to tell you, no, you're doing fine. And it's going to remind you the work that you've been doing. And that's why it's so important to not, be, to not do this completely alone,
2: yeah. which,
1: which I've been completely alone so many times. And I've been so stubborn to not ask for help, because I don't want to bother anybody. But also because there's a big part of ego as well. Like, I don't want to admit that I don't know how to do this thing. Right? I'm a strong, independent woman. So (laughs) but no community, the power of community and finding like minded people that are going to remind you that you're doing fine. I think that's very powerful. And that's why I've been probably super positive to you. But then in my daily life, I'm really hard on myself
0: yeah well that's interesting because i'm the same way it's funny that i didn't i would say that i wouldn't have thought that you you know were hard on yourself like that but maybe that's just how everybody kind of is they're all harder on themselves than they are on you know other people even when they're doing kind of I, the
1: I don't know because throughout my life i've met a lot of a lot of artists and filmmakers who yeah. are so confident on their process
0: really interesting. oh
1: my god and when i look at them i'm like wow like, look at
0: you, and then but like, is there stuff good? do you like it
1: oh i I think I mean I, as soon as you don't turn into a jerk, yeah and, and you're not an asshole, and um it's beautiful, it's beautiful to see that power of like believing in your journey and just going for it and but I think it's absolutely related with these things that we were talking about, your childhood and your process your your, your <laughs> the. Circumstances like if you've been receiving positive reinforcement constantly and you have these backup front institutions and and da 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 of course you're going to feel more secure about your journey you're going to be also more educated about how to be an artist because this is a it's a profession and it it takes discipline it takes work and you're going to be trained on that so yeah power of community
2: that
0: That uh, reminds me of another thing I was gonna say is um, let's talk a little bit, and you said that you grew up in a small town, mostly farmers and stuff um but like you have like a weird brother too, right, and like oh like, yeah, my
1: brother my brother is amazing, my <laughs> brother he speaks so many languages okay. like from uh Icelandic Danish. He's bilingual in French and um, also like Slavic languages.
2: Uh-huh. He's very
1: special. He's very special. We both were the weirdos in that little town, no doubt about it.
0: <laughs> how do you think you got to be the weirdos? Would you like, and I, it's your own origin story, but like how it's, so it's kind of hard to tell maybe for yourself, you know, but like, cause I, maybe I, I think about myself in that way where like, if I tell you what my childhood was like, it sounds pretty normal. You know what I mean? But Something wasn't right, obviously. So, like, what would you do? do? You know, like, have you thought about that in your own life? Yeah.
1: So, okay, in my case, I think the genetic combination of my parents is very dangerous. That's mm. number one.
2: I've because said that
1: too. Two, two out of two, you know, two out of two are weirdos. But, like, so that's how, what, how so? But then my parents, they're not weird at all. My parents are normal people.
2: Yeah.
1: They don't have a, a special cultural interest. Right. Uh, they never listened to music when I was growing up. In my house, never a record. You know,
2: yeah.
1: I, I was very into music, and that was like weird for them. They, in general, they're th- normal people, sweethearts, yeah. you know. Yeah. But there was something there that my parents were school teachers, so the way I was able to express myself, or like verbally, and 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 when I would write. It was outstanding compared to most of my classmates whose parents were either illiterate farmers you know so I think in that way being in that little town there there was already a difference there was already we were already standing out naturally and because of this circumstance that my parents were like the most educated in this in this circle, in this very small, small circle. Then I got out of there and I was like, oh my God. I Like, like, my parents are like the most, just normal people and I know nothing and I grew up with no internet. Oh my God, like, yeah. yes. When I got to college, adjusting to the world, it took me a lot because, you know, yeah, we were children of the nineties. We didn't have
2: internet. We didn't know anything.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. So it's like it was kind of like uh, because it was maybe that type of area where mostly farmers and stuff that like that came into play. Because like my uh, dad is an only child and he kind of grew up in the country too, and like we didn't. We were like you know in a normal place, but um, I think it's sort of like that mentality of like I have a job. It's pretty good. Like you know, like let's just be normal. You know. Um,
1: well, it's like you don't know better. Well, you yep. think you're doing better and you're doing better. I mean, don't get me wrong. Being a farmer must be one of the most beautiful professions. Yeah, I could see that. And and and, and taking care of animals. That is beautiful.
2: Yeah.
1: It's gorgeous. And, and we need people like that. We need people that have a passion like that. I just, again, again, I, I just think this is the only thing that I naturally do good. Yeah. I mean not even good enough. Just like good,
0: you know? <laughs> like it's but like all bad, but this is the best that I got. Is that what you'd say? But
1: I have a very deep respect for every person that has any other profession. I have a deep respect for every person who has passion and love for what they do.
2: Yeah, I agree.
1: That is the most beautiful thing.
2: Yeah, I
0: just like it. Like, like it, whatever it is.
1: I have some trees here in the back in the backyard of my house, and sometimes you need to trim the trees and do complicated things that I don't have the tools to do. Uh-huh. So I call this gardener, um, and um, he comes and he talks to the trees, I like, that. like, and he tells beautiful things to the trees. He he he's, he speaks in Spanish, so I can understand him. He was like, "Oh my God, you look so beautiful! Look at your flowers, your ears, like." and my heart melts when i see this guy having such a passion he's so happy doing what he does so that's what it matters you know that's the the, i'm i'm not talking about the topic that we're talking anymore but
2: it's okay (laughs) great
0: though um i i was gonna say real quick i thought of people that could be watching this might be like what if it's like a younger uh lady uh and she wants to be you know like a director is there because i don't even think about it like you probably know that i like involve a lot of women in my stuff and you know it's in a non-sexual way for the most part and all that um but like would you is there anything that like i probably am not even aware of that like you would tell you know uh like a younger girl who was interested in doing this that like you know was hard for you or something you didn't expect or anything like that if if not it's okay
1: Uh, It's definitely hard for us. It's it's really hard. Like, um, if you are, uh, I mean, if if you are queer, it's going to be really hard. And if you are a cis woman, and you're heterosexual, and your partners are going to be males, it gets hard too, because males, they have this tendency of like wanting to stand out in the relationship, not giving you the space that you need sometimes to develop your artistic career. And I had experiences before that my partners were not allowing me to grow. You know, Um, I'm like, I had... Mostly, you no. Know, I had like male partners, and um, and like I, for example, I'm gonna give you an, ex- an example. So, I I made a feature film a long time ago. Yeah,
2: that- <laughs> and this
1: feature film, a documentary. It's it's like a creative documentary, a little bit hybrid, but yes, um, very European. We could say in that sense. And um, this documentary, I made it when I knew nothing, and I made it with some savings that I had from a grant, and and I felt brave enough, I guess, to do it, but at the same time, kind of like insecure, like, you don't know what you're doing, right? Sure. And uh, in order to do this documentary, I had a partner at the time who also was working in this industry, mostly as, a, as an editor and stuff, but he will do a little bit of everything. And I was like, okay, what about, do you want to be the DP of the movie? Yeah. Even though you're not a professional DP, but, but in this way, uh, I offer you this amazing experience of like making a movie and we were going to travel to New York. We were going to travel to this little town in Northern Spain. And I was like, so we can do it together. And I trust you enough to, to do this. And uh, I think it, it can be cool. Yeah. So he, he said yes, and we did it. Previously, this partner of mine will collaborate with this other friend of ours who also wanted to be a filmmaker and he was like doing short films and stuff. And right now he's like an established film, filmmaker, we could say. Okay. And I remember when he was helping him, he, he wasn't like making a salary or anything. He will say when, when they were working together, he would say, we're working. We're working on a project. I'm working on a project with my friend, da even though he wasn't getting paid. But when we were working on my movie, I remember one day that things were not going smoothly. And he told me, hey, I'm helping you out with this. So I shouldn't be uh, waking up at six in the morning. I don't remember what it was, but he was like, I'm helping you out. And I'm like, oh, you're helping me. I thought we were working together. And he's like, no, it's your movie. So it's your movie, so I'm helping. Yeah. And I'm like, well, it's our project the moment I invited you, but how come that when you work with this other friend of ours, yeah. you say I'm working, and you didn't say it's your movie, yeah. right? But when you're working with me, you're like, I'm helping you.
2: Right.
1: And that made me feel really shitty. Yeah. That made me feel like he didn't trust me, he didn't believe in me.
0: Yeah.
1: That I was asking for, for a favor to the people that I love, that I was putting them in trouble. So I'm just going to say that for women, surrender yourself by other women and a lot of queer people who are probably going to be most likely the ones who are going to see the light in you before a straight men are going to see the light in you, unfortunately.
0: If you started out with that, though, that might be a good, like, kind of strategy, right? Because then you get a couple and then, you know, people would know you maybe already and, and it might be an easier start, huh? Makes sense? Yeah.
1: Like, I will say, like, find other women. I think, I think, and queer people. Because I think they're going to understand you a little better at the beginning. Um, Yeah, it's hard it's hard to give an advice in this, in this sense, but... I, that's my intuition.
0: I didn't mention it, but like you've been on, you've been in the position of, you know, uh, reading or, or watching submissions for, for big time film festivals. Um, I, I feel like it. pretty big LA, LA film festival, right?
1: Yeah, but also in the festival that I organize in La Ola, I also get to watch films and select them and do right. a curatorial job. I mean, we have programmers, but I work with them since yeah. I'm. Um, the
0: director of the festival. Yeah. So the the somewhat cheesy, but I think maybe you know could help some people. What would you tell people like how can they, you know, what's it what's what would make it easier to get into a festival, like you as the person who has to watch all the submissions. Like what should they do to uh, increase their chances?
1: These are really complicated questions. Um, <laughs> so. First thing first, you need to make a good movie. Mm -hmm. And I truly believe that if you make a good movie, sooner or later, that work is gonna be seen. But obviously there are many movies that are in this in-between world, right? That it's a matter of taste, it's a matter. So what I'm gonna say is like first thing first, you need to know what type of movie you're making. We cannot put all movies in the same drawer, Mm -hmm. right? You might be making a blockbuster. You might be making an independent movie because your budget is independent, but, but maybe the style of your movie is more commercial-oriented, even though you didn't have a big budget. You might be making a really independent movie in which you're creating new forms of expressing yourself narratively or aesthetically. You might be creating an experimental film, uh, and even within documentaries, there are so many genres and approaches. You you might be doing, which I don't even believe in, in a difference in between uh, fiction and what these the so-called documentaries or non-fiction. Like I think that that line should have never been drawn. But anyways, it's in the in the world of festivals. Sadly, it's necessary to know it. Why? Because if you are self-aware of the movie you are creating, you're going to be selecting the right type of festivals for your film. Like, it doesn't make sense if you make a super experimental film and you send it to Sundance. Sundance is not going to be interested on that. Send it to images in Canada. Send it to, like, uh, like others, like don't send it to Sundance. But if you make a very interesting independent film that doesn't have necessarily a commercial intention, maybe send it to the San Francisco Film Festival, send it to Salvas you know, like you need to know. If you made a nonfiction that is very powerful, think about premiering in Visión de Río, in switzerland you know or probably if you made a really strange approach of the classic in the movie like hammer ray go to go for locarno like you need to you need to understand the festival landscape and the editorial line and what they're looking for in each of them to be applying to the right ones so that's number one
0: is there anything where it's like oh, you made this kind of movie? Here's like a list of the ones that might be into that type of thing. Something like you can look at?
1: No. The most intelligent thing is you need to make a list of your inspirations, movies that look like your like your film, and you're going to go and you're going to do a research of what festival is screened this film, in which festivals these films got selected, and those are the festivals that are going to work for you. And... Within the time, the more you know the industry, the more you're going to get to know these things just like uh, in a more, um, like you're just going to know.
0: Yeah. That makes. You sense. know? because You get to know the, the whole thing. <laughs>
1: you're just going to know. But the, the beginning is find films that look like your film, but you need to be very honest with yourself, okay? Very honest. You cannot be making this type of film and believe that, your film looks like this other type. You need to be so honest with yourself and look at the festival that the festivals that those type of films got selected to. So I will say that's the first step. Know where you're applying. Second step is choose a really good world premiere. Okay So if you know that you've been so far in your career, To actually have made something that is good. You're like, okay, this is like, this represents my voice. Like, this is it. Don't say yes to a small festival. Try your best to do your world premiere in a festival that is going to be benefiting your movie. Mm -hmm. And then from there on, you're going to be developing a really beautiful, like, festival journey because programmers they talk to each other they spy on each other's programming right okay and programmers love premiering
0: yeah
1: right because they want to be the ones that discover your film so your world premiere is very important the first festival in which you're going to screen your movie is really important to to get to go to other similar festivals.
0: Yeah, so you hang back, wait for a good one, then like leapfrog off of that one.
1: And when I say go to the festival that is gonna benefit your movie the most, I mean that if you're working on a very experimental film, a nonfiction film, and you decide to go to the right type of festival in which what they showcase is mostly that, the film critics that are going to attend to that are going to be sensitive to that material. The sale agents that are going to be buying films. They're going to be interested on that material. The press, the, I mean, I already said the press, but the the distributors, right? They're going to be interested, but if you go to the wrong festival, all these people, they're gonna see your movie and they're not gonna to want to acquire your movie or to write about your movie that you're not gonna, probably you're not gonna get, not a good review, you're probably not gonna get a review because probably it's not fitting for what those film critics are looking for. So get to know those festivals and, and choose uh, in, a wise, in a wise way. And of course, this is undeniable, having contacts is gonna help you. I mean it, this is, this is not a surprise for anybody. And we go back to what we were talking at the beginning. if you've been attending amazing universities, you're gonna have more opportunities. Most likely you'll have those contacts.
0: So if you how do you mean though having contacts like people that, that work at the festivals or, or that just or, or what?
1: Um, you might know some programmers you might know some other producers that have been distributing films um and and they're going to advise you well on how to how to follow this path they might put you in touch with the right person they might go like oh this film is actually perfect for this festival and i know someone there and um i don't believe in networking i just don't
2: okay i think
1: no, you always need to do what you need to do. And by doing what you do, you'll get there.
0: Okay. So don't go out of your way to network. to But, then get but, the but never
1: stop doing what you're doing. Uh-huh. So like, if you put your heart in the right places, if you go to the screenings that you genuinely like,
2: yeah.
1: once and again and again and again, you're gonna start running The same people into this into the same people when you go to these screenings because these people also like these things,
2: yeah.
1: End up grabbing a beer with them, becoming friends, and then you're gonna establish a relationship with these people. But you didn't do it because you wanted to network, it's because you're following your true self to these places. But you need to be active, right? You need to go and do it,
0: yeah. I think that's really good because I think I don't know about other people, but a lot of time my instinct is like, this might be good for you. You should do this. And then it's like, oh, okay, and then I'll do it. And then maybe I get into it once I'm there. But I think you're right that if, it, if you don't do that at all, and you just stick to like, I actually wanna do this, then that connection is like honest and strong. And it's not like work for you at that point. And then it would be more, you know, who you, who you see on that path is gonna be like who you should be seeing kind of like what you're saying. That makes sense.
1: Yeah, and I guess we all go, we go back to this idea of creating collectives and community mm-hmm. because that's the way in which you connect with like-minded people. Meaning, for example, we live in Los Angeles, right? Mm-hmm. So many times, I wonder myself what, like, how did I end up here? Well, I, I know the answer. So th- I got a grant to study in the United States, uh-huh. and they told me you can either go to New York or to LA. And I was at the time obsessed with Californian Garage. Like we will listen to it in MySpace back in the day when Ty Siegel released his first tape, right? Mm-hmm. So I just wanted to come here and to go to shows. I wanted to like <coughs> listen to live music, meet all these bands that I was crazy about and dance and have fun. And when I land in here, I realized that this is Hollywood. And believe me, I thought Hollywood and Los Angeles were like different cities or something. Yeah. But then I realized, oh my God, it's the same thing. What am I doing here? This is not what I want to do. I don't want to work in Hollywood movies. Mm-hmm. For a long time, I was like, am I doing the, right, the wrong thing? Like, should I be pursuing these, these things that people in this city care about? But it was so clear to me that the answer was no, do not. So I guess what I'm trying to say is like if you're making independent films or experimental films and your heart and your instinct is there, don't try to go to the studios. Don't try to make a Hollywood. Be honest to where your heart is and you will you will meet the right people in in such an organic way don't try that hard don't don't be dishonest to your own desires you know yeah in my case i knew it i i wanted to do experimental films that's what it gives me joy i enjoy it i I like indie films as well and and you just go to the echo parfum center and you meet magical creatures yeah, you know?
0: it's great it's so like like a friendly feeling to it
1: oh my god like, I'm in love with the Echo Park Film Center because I feel like it's a place that is not a snob at all. Right. Like, yeah. There, there are other places in Los Angeles that program amazing content and that I love. But the reason why the Echo film Center has a special place in my heart is because they're not snob. Everyone is welcome. Yeah. Literally everybody that wants to make a film, no matter what, is welcome they have a sense of community oriented to their neighborhood all ages if you're a kid if you're 90 years old and you want to come here and you want to learn this you're welcome and you're great there is this energy right yeah i love it i love that place
0: yeah no it's great um so you've made uh documentaries and now you're working on your first uh narrative feature right
2: Yeah. yeah
0: I know a bit about you know what's it about because we've talked about I read something recently that you're describing the area where these uh tobacco barns is, right? And this is in the countryside, right? And you said it was like children like it, but then it's like a like a teenage cage, the place. And I thought it was cool, like teenage cage. I know you know you mean because that's I felt like that where I lived when I was a teenager, but um maybe like if you want to talk a little bit about uh, about all that like like what it's about and what it's gonna be like
1: yeah,, uh, like you said, I have a background in which I work more with nonfiction
2: uh-huh. and
1: and experimental in fact, I just premiered this year like a little piece about tobacco barns, but it's like a black and white silent uh, sixty millimeter films film so I true, you saw it yeah. thanks to you because you you lend me that camera yeah, to make yeah, that, yeah. that film. Exactly. This but this, this feature that is coming up that I was supposed to be filming this year, but because of COVID got pushed to next year. Uh-huh. Somehow I started writing and um, because you need to apply to grants to get the budget. When you apply to these grants, sometimes they're like submit your script. So mm-hmm. you need to write a script. And probably you want to work in a different way, but like probably you don't want to have close dialogues. Probably you want to have uh a different way of writing that is more creative, that is more, but because you need to apply to these grants, you write the script. So somehow I ended up writing a script that somehow I ended up becoming a friend with, and this movie ended up being a narrative film. It wasn't an intention. I didn't want to necessarily make a narrative feature, but it's going to be, it's going to be an indie narrative, narrative feature. And yeah, like the main theme in the film, it's, it's how when we are kids, we're able to feel free in little towns and rural areas. And we're able to see the beauty of that freedom. You can play, you can climb a tree, you can get in trouble. You're going to make new friends if you're spending the summer there. And everything is going to be pretty magical for you. But if you are from that place and you grew up there, and probably your, your childhood was fun, there's going to be a moment in which you're going to feel caged. And you're going to feel like you need something more. So this is a movie in which we see both the situations. It's like two parallel stories during a summertime. It's a kid that is spends the summers, it's a kid that lives in the city and spends uh, the summer vacation at his grandparents' house. And then it's a teenager who is from this place where the grandparents of this kid live. And she's like thinking that that place is not enough for
0: her anymore. And they don't necessarily know each other, the, uh, the teenager and the, and the younger boy.
1: No, they don't. Okay. But they have a, they have a common element that is going to be some um, magical realism. There is going to be some magical realism, uniting them both.
0: What do you what is magical realism exactly?
1: Um, so when I think about magical realism, I think about uh, a pichapon like Uncle Bomi who could recall his past lives, for example. In which you're mixing traditions and landscaping and, and folk stories with some magical fantasies um, that might be coming from also traditional stories or just the beliefs that we have connected to our. I see. Higher reality. I mean, Totoro, my neighbor Totoro, that's magical realism. It's the story of these kids, they move to the countryside, their mother has cancer. It, everything is very real in this movie in Totoro. Like, cancer, okay? Like, it's heavy. Yeah. But they happen to meet this creature, and this creature is, like, really magical. And uh, that's magical realism for me.
2: Yeah,
0: okay, no, that makes sense uh can you you want to talk about like what was your writing process like like how long did it take you to write things you haven't uh written uh you know like a whole lot right before that no and was maybe different because you thought it was gonna maybe be a documentary at first or like how i don't know how was your writing process with that like what your daily kind of
1: when i did the treatment of the movie i wanted to do it more like a creative documentary I, I wanted to work with real people and like uh, find characters that will have similar lives to the characters that I was portraying in the film and, yeah. and then work with them creating these scenes. Yeah. I'm still going to work with non professional actors because it's how I want to approach this project. But um, yeah, at the beginning, the treatment was more like a non fiction piece. And then it turned into a narrative piece. And the way I wrote the script is, I I got a lot of freelance gigs, like one after the other. I worked my ass off doing jobs that I don't like to do, and um, well, oh, I can do, but they don't fulfill me. And um, and I saved a lot of money, money enough to not to to have two months of rent cover, right? And then I was like, okay. And in in this time, I'm writing a script. So every day I will sit and I will write. And I will get a scenes every day. I will sit in front of the computer and I will write like between two, five pages, sometimes a little more, sometimes a little less. And then after a month, you realize that if every day you write three pages, You have a script, Mm -hmm. you know, and of course, the first draft is going to be messy and and it's not going to be that good. But in my case, what happened is that right when I finished this, it was the first draft of the script. I got a friend in Spain who is a producer. She works for a big production company, but we know each other from way before. And she was like, hey. You told me that you were writing a script, right? Uh, Sundance is looking for first-time filmmakers. They want to discover new voices for this screenwriter a screenwriting lab that they have in for Mediterranean countries. She was like. They reached out to me for me to send them uh, projects that I have in my production company. But because I work in this bigger production company, the directors we work with, they're more established directors, even within the independent um, yeah. sector. And she was like, so if you think you're ready to share your script. And I was like, why not? Mm-hmm. So I translated the script to English because I wrote it in Spanish, which is my mother tongue. Yeah. And I sent it out. And I got selected.
2: Yeah, that's that's which was
1: like insane. Like I was like, "What?" (laughs) And uh, yeah, so that definitely gave me the confidence on believing on what I was doing. And that's what I was talking about before. Sometimes we need somebody, either a friend, an institution, somebody to tell you, "Hey, you're doing right," And and that was. That was key for me to know that they were trusting me in what I did. And that gave me the strength to do many other drafts of that script and-
2: That was the first
0: draft that you sent? Um, That was the the, first draft. The first draft, okay, that's great.
1: Yeah, first draft.
0: And so like what, every day when you, it took you about two months you said?
1: I will say I, I, I was prepared to work two months, but I will say it took me a month and a half.
0: Okay. When you got up each day, and I know you said you only try to, you know, your goal is like three pages a day, something like that. But like, what did you go pretty much start to end? Or like, did you look at, I think the structure will be like this and try to hit points along the way. Or like, what did you, how'd you go about all that?
1: I think it depends on the project that you're working at. Because first thing first, I was still working during that time I was still uh working on the film festival that I organized so I will wake up in the morning answer emails that's the first thing I will do and then I will sit and I will write Mm. um making clear that you can combine writing with other stuff but it takes a lot of work (laughs) so it depends on the project right now for example I'm writing another feature with a friend Mm. and we first are. We're reading a lot of books about the topic. We're having a lot of talks about the concepts that we want to work with. And we are, we're writing an outline of the plot, like the skeleton of the plot that then we're going to address with all the topics that really we want to touch, right?
0: Yeah, I think that's a good way to do it.
1: But in my case, in this movie that I wrote, I think it was so close to home
2: Uh
1: that I didn't even need to do that. So it seems were just coming to my head yeah. and I was just, I will go on long walks. So I will work in the morning, send the emails that I need to send. I will go on a long walk where I will get ideas and images. It was a springtime, so it was beautiful because springtime in Los Angeles is the best. You go on a walk and you see all these flowers, everything's blooming, sky's blue. And, and I feel very comfortable in, in springtime. Like, like it gives me power. So I will go on these walks and I will see these scenes and then I will go home and write them. And they were coming one after the other, one after the other. I don't advise this to anybody because then when you have all the scenes and the structure, the structure is is not going to be solid. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: And you need to rewrite and you need to move things around and you need to work on moving things here and there. But it worked for me because it was a topic that it was very close to home. But sometimes you're working on an experimental film and probably you don't need to do any of this. Probably you're working on an experimental film that is based on the color red.
0: Yeah, it's like a visual thing. and
1: Yeah, Yeah, the color red in the landscape of Southern California. And yeah, probably yeah. what you need to do is you need to do a mood board with images and you need to read books and you need to... Um, decide techniques that you're going to use and you're going to do some research uh, and interviews. Like it depends on the project, really. It's just, it depends.
0: So when uh, some of those, uh, the scenes you were coming up with, were they things that actually happened to you as a kid at all or or not like that?
1: Some things did, some things happened to friends of mine, some Uh things... And I did this thing. I I posted on Facebook uh. and I asked, I, I posted and I said, uh, I'm doing, a, I'm, I'm working on a project related with people who grew up in little towns. If you're one of those, send me a DM. And I prepare a list of questions and a lot of friends that I'm very grateful for responded those questions and that really helped me to not do a self-centered movie and to to create a story that it was talking about all of us right yeah like like capturing a feeling not capturing my feelings yeah
0: i think that's great yeah because i i think that was for that one but i think that uh i think that a lot of people uh, you 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 know you have to write about something that you, that you know about but I think a lot of people will be like well this is kind of what happened to me and it was interesting to me in the same way that like a grandkid your grandkids are interesting to a grandma but it's like it's not necessarily interesting to everyone else but so you have to have both you do have to know what, what the f you're talking about though. so I feel like that's that's in, in an interesting way to go about it I, I like that where it's on topic, you know, and you do obviously know about it, but it's like taking, you know, other other people's similar experiences. I think that's awesome. That's a good, that's a good uh good way to do it. I think it's original.
1: But I also think that every story is interesting. It depends the way you're telling the story.
0: I disagree. Well yeah, I I guess so.
1: Every single story is is interesting depending on the way you're telling it. And if that story is true to you, that is gonna be reflected on your work.
0: Yeah i just i feel like i've read other people's things and it's like i feel like there's not enough conflict in it and it's like well this happened to me and but that doesn't make it fascinating but you're right you could any story could be fascinating if it was written
2: uh we
1: also need to escape from the canon like there is this canonic idea that you need conflict and then you need tension and probably some of the most beautiful films that you have ever seen don't have conflict because when you're looking on that film, it's some other type of inspiration or
0: stimulation. Yeah, well, I feel like you could pull that off for like a solid ten minutes, but like I don't know if you could make a whole movie without conflict and it would work. I mean, maybe there's probably an example out there where where that it is uh, it does work.
1: Yeah. Also, also we can debate to about the meaning of the world, of the word
0: conflict sure yeah
1: cuz yeah. oh and this is very interesting okay so i think i believe oh my god what i'm going to say is going to be very polemic so i believe there is a huge problem with american independent films
2: okay
1: i feel like most american indie films they look the same they're cookie cutters
0: so wow. even though um huh? Like, how how would they look that's the same? Like, what's the, what's that type look like?
1: I don't know how to put it into words, but I know, I, I know that we all know what I'm talking about. And like, they all look like cookie cutters. They all touch in very similar topics. They all structure their scenes and, and their storylines. Very, it's just in a very, even the photography, like, and these, from my point of view, again, this might be polemic, but I think it comes from film schools. Like most people, they go to film schools and they learn how to make movies in this way. Yeah. And they study always the same directors. And they come to believe that this is the way.
2: Yeah,
1: These are my references, my canonic references within the independent um, American cinema. And this is the way you make the movies. Let's make them. And you try your best. I don't blame them. They're trying their best to do what they were taught to, to make. Right. But the result is that there is a huge problem. And this is something you don't see that often in Asia, Latin America, or Europe, where you can see author voices that are truly proposing new things.
0: Okay, I like that. And
1: I feel like in the United States, people lack... and they, I mean, probably the problem is that back in the day because I think 2020 has brought a few positive things and this is one but probably in the past it was quite difficult to access international cinema and to have new references but now that internet it's so available to us in so many ways probably this is a beautiful moment for people to get self-educated and um, escape these mannerisms because that's what it is—film school mannerisms that you can breathe in the U.S. independent cinema. And and having conflict, right? That's a very like, I feel like French filmmakers are not thinking about that that much.
0: Yeah, I yeah.
2: I don't know. I, I don't know. No, no. I get. I get, it, I get it's all
0: polemic I, I feel what what is polemic wait i want
1: to say one more thing one more thing that is important
0: okay sorry
2: is so that,
1: another yeah. thing is the ceiling right uh-huh. most of the people that actually end up having the opportunity of making an indie film which that's huge making an indie film i mean huge you need to involve dozens of people yeah thousands of dollars, yeah. most, most of the people that that cross that ceiling and and they have the opportunity of making this, they're going to be, for the most part, white, straight, I would say even males, <laughs> but white, white, straight people.
2: Yeah.
1: The thing is, like, there are people out there who have incredible visions about reality and they have incredible new proposals that are never gonna be given this opportunity because their circumstances are never gonna offer them the chance to do it what is the difference in between europe and the united states europe offers public grants
2: Mm.
1: we have a government we have governments that support cinema we have a part of the government budget dedicated to cinema, right? Like we have um, institutes in each country of the European Union, Latin America or other countries that are supporting cinema in a direct way. Everyone can apply to these grants, everybody. So that in a way, it's opening the window to diversity. In the United States, there is no support from public institutions at all, because we live in an extremely neoliberalistic uh, economic system. So, in order for you to make your film, you're going to need private investors that are believing in you. Mm. If you are a Native American woman uh, that grew up, in a, in a reservation, or if you are a black woman or a queer black woman or a transgender black woman that grew up in the suburbs, probably you have a vision that is unique and special and, 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 and like groundbreaking, but you don't have the education. You don't have the economic means. You don't have the environment to actually get there. And that is a problem in the United States, along with the film schools. We don't have support for integration. So that is something that in other countries they do have it. And I think it is reflecting into the work that we see coming from other nationalities.
0: <clears throat> that makes sense. Yeah, I didn't even I don't, you know, I'm, I'm not super familiar with how all the grants and stuff work, but that, that makes sense. Um speaking of
1: that we need urgently. We need the government of the United States to offer opportunities to artists, not only just filmmakers that come from all backgrounds. It's yeah. urgent. We cannot depend on just private investors. Who gets there? The rich people. It's like I read this meme on the Internet that is like, what do you need to make one million dollars in music? You need to waste two million dollars. You know what I mean? It, it was a meme. It was a joke, but it's so real. Yeah. If you already have two millions to waste to make your your first indie movie, probably you're gonna get the private investors. But right? what about if you never had it? Right. What about if the government gives you a chance?
0: Yeah. You know. Yeah. No, that makes sense. Um, let's see. What was I gonna say? Uh, Speaking of grants, um, just because I think it's like an inspirational story, it's kind of motivational. Do you want to talk about like how your your thing worked out? What well, thing? You got a grant for, uh, for your movie coming up, right?
1: Yeah. Um, well, I think making my first feature on my own with my own savings and my friends was very helpful because I had an opportunity of proving that I could do that, right? Yeah. It's painful, but you did it. Right. And continuing the work by creating a film festival or making smaller pieces uh, made me like um, it created a career that made other people uh, trust me. Right. So I got a producer that trusts me and was like, okay, what you wrote is really interesting. Sandance also liked it. So I think I'm going to work with you. This producer who was a company and this company obviously knows how to apply for grants. We together applied for several public grants in Spain because this movie is going to be shot in Spain. We applied to regional grants. It will be like state grants, national grants, and we got them. It took time, but we got them. We got public television, uh, regional grant, well, aut- autonomic, that's, that will be the correct term, and national grant. And with all that money combined, we got the budget that we needed to make the movie, which is, like, a little bit over a million.
0: And you say it's, like, television, so is that, like, also where, like, it'll be, you, you know, it'll be shown there later? Like, they have a... Mm-hmm.
1: Not necessarily, okay. uh, but public televisions in Europe, they have a chunk of their budget to be invested in, in projects for development. Okay. Then another thing I did is I applied to a lot of labs, uh-huh. developing, developing uh, workshops and things like that. And that definitely gives you visibility and helps you to get in touch with the type of people. Yeah.
0: that's awesome i just think it's good to hear that you know anybody is able to do that because i don't know when you told me that i was like that's even a thing like i don't i just you know it's it's great that you were able to do that um you know maybe
1: it will be it will be harder in the united states
0: i was gonna say if you live in america that might not be what happens to you but you know it's just it's still anybody's doing anything i think it's cool um i was gonna say you're still shooting uh on digitally right for this
1: yeah, yeah. I mean, unfortunately, my budget doesn't allow me to shoot. I,
2: um, yeah. But I, also,
1: yeah. but also the style of the film. Since I'm gonna be working with non-actors,
0: you're gonna need a I, robot. Yeah. I,
1: I want exactly. I want to give them the space to improvise and work with improvisations. And when you're wo- when you're working with film, very limited. When you're working digital. You can do many takes you can let them talk so i thought it was going to be very positive for the
0: process as well yeah that totally makes-
1: there is a part of the movie that i'm going to do in 16. just like a little a scene
0: yeah why what why that scene or can uh, because happens in it?
1: she's in psychedelics so i thought
0: okay it was- all right <laughs> okay does your does your bolex have that attachment where it can help hold more film the 400 uh thing no oh, okay. i think
1: when the moment comes i will do a rental because we have the budget for that yeah and i will talk with my dp and
0: we'll figure it out okay yeah but, I, that's kind of just for me i was just wondering because that's a that's a but good.
1: with the bollocks even if you have the the extra magazine you will need the motor too because otherwise the bollocks it goes with the hand
2: crack or yes. whatever ah. that's yeah. 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 It's
1: not only loud; it's like it allows you to to shoot x amount of seconds. So you need the motor that goes right, attached right. to it.
0: Okay, so you can do that. That's like a different camera, or you can put that motor on the one you have.
1: Um, I have the SB. Okay. So I think yes, you can put the motor, but you but you cannot uh, put a bigger magazine.
2: Okay. Yeah.
1: they the rx5 i believe okay and in and the, and the sbm as well
0: okay yeah i don't really know the, the difference <laughs> but uh so do you, would you say that you find the process of like okay you go have to go out and shoot today um you find that fun like is it is that like a good a good day generally or what would you know what i mean like do you feel like it's like you're working
1: that's a beautiful question because for the longest time, when I will go and film, I will tell to myself, oh, look at what you're doing on your free time, right? Look at you all cute doing these
2: <laughs>
1: hobby, right? Yeah, but yeah, yeah. You, need to, you need to work on yourself and tell to yourself, no, this is work. This is your work. This is your career. You're working and you need to take it as you're working. But that cannot take the joy out of you. Of course, it's, a, it's, a, it's work, but it's the work you want to do and you need to enjoy it. In my case, I'm working a lot on it. En- Sorry. Okay. Someone called me on the phone. So in my case, I'm working a lot on enjoying this process much more. Because sometimes what happens to me is that I get insecurities and anxiety and that makes me feel very nervous about what I'm doing. So I'm not present. I'm not enjoying the process. And much and much more, I need to take your advice of take a sheet on the floor, which you can explain that example, and just like have fun with it.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah, well, the, the, if anyone's watching this, and doesn't get that it was it was that you should you know go into something intentionally thinking, okay, I'm going to screw this up and do it. Ten, it's if you took the a shit on the floor ten times, then you know it would probably work out for you at least by the eleventh, and that's the basic thing. But people go into things thinking this has to be great the first time, and then you don't do anything. So so this is a way to. to get yourself to do to to do what you want eventually soon soon enough anyway but um okay I like that so uh do you let us see we sort of talked about that um okay
1: perfection can be one of the biggest enemies of creativity
0: yeah for Mm -hmm. sure
1: this search of perfection
0: yeah because it's great not perfect a good not good enough but if you get great that's that's all you that's all you can hope for And I feel like over time, that sort of turns into perfection. Like people, you know, you look back three years later, like, oh, that was like the best shit ever. Speaking of the best stuff ever, um, if you think of, or I say to you, uh, like your best stuff that you've come up with, um, can you trace it back and and reveal the process of how you got there? Like if you ask me, the picture behind you, uh, that's what I would probably say is, yeah, my... (laughs) conveniently right there, my uh, probably my best black and white photo. And if you say, oh, what was the process of like, how can I, you know, replicate the process so I can get, you know, my best stuff? I would say it's funny because I did the same process I've always done on every photo basically to get that one. And it was like, when I was doing it, I wasn't like, here's the best one ever. Like this is, you know, like I know it. It was kind of like, well, I thought of an idea that's I think is worth, doing like worth setting up and shooting um just like all the other ones you know and and it was like it turned out you know after that to be one of the best ones but like for you you know what what uh can you what comes up
1: i don't have i don't think i have any sort of capacity of understanding what is my best or worst stuff like i will i don't know i don't know what is my best to be honest or my worst and, and, and it terris- terrifies me to think about it. Like, it, like, it really freaks me out to, to, to have to decide what is best and what is worst. Yeah. But all I can say is that the things that I've done that I'm happier, that I'm the happiest with, are the things that came out from me in an almost unstoppable way. Meaning, I wasn't trying too hard to do it. I wasn't trying to imitate something else. I wasn't putting too much thought into creating this thing. It's just, I needed to do it. And I just went and did it. And it was so good. Yeah. You know,
0: like maybe even you were trying not to do it. Like that's the best stuff is that it was just like, you had to do it. I like that.
1: Yeah. You just have to, and you just go and you do it. And, and I think it comes out amazing. It's like, okay. It's like, you know when people, they don't fit beauty standards, but the way they present themselves, it's so loving to themselves that they become really attractive people. Yes. You're like, oh my God, yeah. this person is beautiful and probably doesn't have the, the, the beauty standards necessarily, but, but you read it as beautiful, is the same. When you do something with this joy, yeah. Oh, you're, you're that joy is gonna live within that project.
0: Yeah, I think if something's really good. You get the sense that they liked that they, they like it, or they liked doing it, or that like they would have done that if no one else could see it. Like they still would have done the same thing. Like that's the exactly kind of thing that's like if you exactly. were alone on a desert island, that's still what you would do. You know. Um, do you? And another thing.
1: And another thing is like a lot of people when when they ask when they are asked the question, why do you make films? A lot of people, they go like, because I want to tell stories. But the reality is that most of the times we do it because we want to live that experience. Yeah. Because we want to go through that process. So we go and do this thing because let's say you make a movie about these with this actress that you really wanted to work with and you're going to do it on top of this mountain that you always wanted to go to mm-hmm. you're doing it because you wanted to get in touch with this human being that was fascinating for you and you wanted an excuse to go to go to that mountain that otherwise mm-hmm. you weren't going to go
2: right
1: so it's not to tell stories
2: yeah
1: all the
0: time it's a lot, a lot- telling, you hear telling stories a lot. And it's like, if you want, why don't you just tell a story then like to your friend with your mouth, you know, like that's that you could do that if you really want to tell stories. story. Yeah. Then. But or you, if, you can know. write a book. Right, right, write a book. That's funny that you're you right. You hear that a lot with just relating to movies. It's like, we're storytellers. Like we're not, we're, you know. It's not you know. true. Yeah, I like that. It's really not true. You're searching for
1: experiences and those experiences you're gonna share with others.
0: Put that one on that. So, um, what... Uh, do you watch stuff now in quarantine? And where do you watch stuff?
1: So, I've been watching a lot of stuff in quarantine. Mm, like, a lot. And uh, normally, uh. I like going to the video tech. Yeah. I like small businesses, and I, I encourage everyone to do it because it's a very special place.
0: Video um, tour. We're in South Pasadena, in California.
1: Yeah. It's for. It's it's a video store that is organized by countries and directors. So yeah. that's all you need to know.
2: Yeah.
1: And um, but I also have subscription to Criterion Collection channel, the Criterion Channel which is amazing movie really amazing too. And I've been trying to use um, I've been trying my best to use um, virtual cinema in platforms that they give a chunk of the box office to local theaters in order to do my part and support local theaters. So there, there are different platforms where you can do that and uh, you can support, uh, for example, like uh, the Kino platform, Kino Lorber.
0: Okay, yeah, yeah.
1: And many others, many, many others where you can support your uh, local theaters.
0: So you'll you'll like pay to watch a movie on demand there and then they give a, a percentage of that to a theater mm-hmm. like right now it's shut down.
2: Yeah. Okay, that's a yeah,
1: and, and Those are movies that just premiere, So they're doing virtual cinema premieres. Mm and so they are on theaters right and then you go to these platforms and you put your sick code in some of them oh, and okay. they give a percentage of these benefits to your local theater yeah
0: yeah okay cool uh what's your opinion on 3d movies
1: oh my god
2: very
0: okay question.
1: so um i'm blinding one eye and i was never able to see 3d so i don't have an opinion right.
0: <laughs> didn't think about that no I, I didn't know if it was exactly blind, and that that's that's my question uh my cliffhanger is what happened to your eye is gonna be my last question i asked you but I was. yeah we'll get there. um do you i wrote i wrote like sometimes i write stuff like we're talking about like the 10 bad take a shit on the floor sometimes i'll just i would, like write things that are gonna be bad as questions and then this is what i kept that was like the stream of consciousness, it was like, mm-hmm. do you think this is just like fucking pointless? That was one of the questions that I wrote down to not say to you, but what would you say? Like, you ever, do you have those moments? Cause I, again, like, I don't see you as having those moments. I have those moments like all day. But
1: I was still talking about 3D?
0: No, 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 no it's just like any, okay. m- make, you know, making, it's so much work to make a movie. Do you ever go like, this is, what am I doing? Like, this is, this is a waste of my time.
1: Absolutely. I think we. I think anyone that is sane, that is mentally sane, is gonna have those moments. Anyone that have any sort of empathy for the world is gonna have those moments. Right. Because you only have one life and this amount of energy. Yeah. And you're like, where am I putting this energy? Probably it should be doing something that is directly helping
0: others. I could be building a hospital right now with these two hands.
1: Exactly. I should be a doctor. I fucked up. I should uh, like many times, but the reality is that when you calm down, you think, okay, the mother nature works in mysterious ways. And we all have been given these gifts, these talents. And the people who need to do those things are doing those things. And right. you need to trust on those people.
2: Yeah.
1: And you have been given the, the gift of filmmaking. Do right. your best with it. Right.
0: We would be shitty doctors, is the thing. Like, we would make much better movies. Yeah. Than, and those doctors probably wouldn't make good movies. So it's like, what do you. Yeah. It's you. F- yeah. But I feel that, like, this is sort of maybe unfortunate that this is what I'm good at, but, like, it's still the case. So, like, what are you going to do? Like, yeah. I like. <laughs> I'll put. It. Um, do you think on this sort of topic? Do you think we're getting towards the end here? Now it's getting late. Um, do you think that, like, I feel feel like maybe you don't feel this way that movies are sort of an outdated art form that uh, you know it may at one time it was a practical way to communicate to a lot of people visually in like a meaningful way because it was a long form thing. Uh but you know now TikTok, whatever is a much more practical way to, you know, communicate in a in a visual way still. Um do you think that like I mean you could argue it's not meaningful, but you know, same it's definitely like, you know, a, a thing that that has shifted. Uh so do you think that, that like gap between, you know, uh uh, that is gonna be gonna be sort of fixed after corona and like it's it's it, there's a place for it you know or do you feel like you know there there is like irreparable damage and like you and i are like sort of like the last you know people that that think old shit is cool and you know what i mean like just it's it seems difficult to like take a 15 year old even who likes cool stuff and be like this is a long movie like a 90 minute movie go ahead and like enjoy that and I just feel like they're you know if i was 15 now i'd be like i i probably wouldn't do it you know what i mean i don't know what would you say
1: i'm gonna say that the history of filmmaking is not that long
2: mm-hmm.
1: and the digital revolution was just born so really we don't know who are we to say that tiktoks are not movies mm-hmm I believe that very soon we're gonna see very talented young filmmakers who are gonna be using TikTok with an artistic intention. And probably because I do believe in in experimentation and new forms of cinema, probably we're gonna see cinema evolving into something else. Um, With that said, I think filmmaking and cinema as we understand it right now, I think it's never going to die. Mm-hmm. I think we human beings love this magical experience of living a different life during, during one hour and a half. It's, it's 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 really, it goes with our nature. I'm not surprised that we humans got to this point, you know, because it's really such a beautiful, magical thing. With that said, the distribution channels right now need to adapt To the new times and probably as much as we think 2020 has been not beneficial for the industry probably with the time is going to reshape in a way that actually independent cinema will have more room to be seen because when we were absolutely depending on theaters we know that getting a theatrical release is not easy and we've um uh, theaters like light or AMCs that are so powerful and they exclusively book uh, studio releases. our house theaters were suffering a lot and now after the pandemic they're suffering even more, unfortunately. So we'll see, we'll see what the future has for us. But something I can tell you is we check our phone constantly like compulsively Mm -hmm. and we are so used to receive different messages and stimulus and our brain more and more is able to multitask the beauty of being trapped in a theater in the darkness Mm -hmm. and not being able to get distracted with anything else right now is a luxury that I'm telling you we need it
0: we want yeah, it's like a coffee shop. you go to a coffee shop because you can't focus at home too many distractions. It's the same thing but for a movie, which it didn't I don't think used to be the case that wasn't an element to it, but now it is' in an interesting it's an interesting uh, thing. Before the reason why theaters existed
1: is because you didn't have a projector in your huh. house and you right. didn't have a copy of the movie. So you needed to go to the place where movies are shown.
2: Yeah.
1: now you definitely can watch this movie at home. But because of the digital revolution and how our brains cannot stop multitasking, we are begging to be trapped in obscure dark theaters with no access to anything else except for that experience.
2: Yeah.
0: And it's socially unacceptable to like, take your phone out too is a big part of it, I think. Um, and you know what, me, I thought of in in writing this question for you, Right after I wrote it, I thought of uh, this was kind of actually made me feel better, which was um, there's a technique which I intend to do with what we're doing now. Maybe like as I get better at it, maybe not this one, but um, you record a part- podcast and then you cut it up, you know, to have, oh, this was a little nugget. That was a little nugget, maybe even like a freeze frame from it. Maybe like, you know, you can cut it up and sort of like distribute that stuff to, you know, different little channels, like many different ones. Mm-hmm. And so I was thinking you could do the same thing with a movie. So you have a feature film and it you put your heart into it, it makes sense. It's a real movie, you know, just like anything else. But if you kind of did that same process, cut it up, make stills, do this and that. And then, you know, that could like last you a very long time, you know, on these things. And then, you know, you would maybe say, oh, it's from that. If you have like a, you know, three second clip or something um, on, you know, social media stuff. But um you know, Isn't that, that,
2: that? Called trailer.
0: Yeah. Does he do that?
2: Yeah. A trailer.
0: Um, so, wait, say that again.
1: Isn't it that called a trailer?
0: Oh, trailer? No, no. But I'm talking about like even smaller than that. Like, I mean, talking about like three seconds here, two seconds there, like just like pictures, okay. you know, like going way farther with it, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, like trailer, sure, okay. but like.
1: I feel like a lot of distribution companies right now—they are—they uh, have social media, and they are using those marketing tools to promote the films that they acquire for their catalogs.
2: Yeah,
0: yeah, no, sure, but um, I, don't, I, just,
1: I there are so many things on the internet that you need to have the right platform. It's like applying to the right festival. You need to put your your two seconds of your film in the right platform. So it's going to be seen by the right people.
0: But do you think platform versus just uh, your account? Like you said, the girl before who was doing, uh, you know, food and then it turned into interior design. But like, if you have the same account, I feel like you could, the platform would be less important as long as you're consistent on that platform. I mean, I'm sure it varies, but you know what I'm saying?
1: Okay, so the other day I saw uh, that I read an, uh, an interview with Jenny Montero, Who is which is that? a cartoonist illustrator that I really, really like. Okay. It's amazing. And uh, I read an interview with him. I believe it's a him. Okay. Uh, and um, and the question was, how important, how, how important is social media for your work? From one to 10. And he said 12. Yeah. So absolutely, for certain artists, social media, and the new tools that the internet are providing for us have been very useful. But the reality is that right now, the way the filmmaking industry is established and the way it works, because we cannot deny that, it's an industry. And it has a machinery inside, social media, is not a still a very important element in here. It can help you out to raise money. It can help you out to get funds, but it's not going to help you most likely to get to a festival or to be acquired by a sell agent. There is going to be exceptions, of course, but being an influencer is not, is not the way you're going to get there. The way you're going to get there is working really hard, making a good movie.
0: Yeah. So if someone came to you, uh, you know, applying to be in a festival, and they made, you know, let's say a good movie, and they had, you know, a hundred thousand followers on something, and then a, 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 like the quality of the other, another person's movie was the same. It was also good. They're both really, actually, pretty good. Uh, and they, you know, they didn't have any followers. Would would you be at all tempted to take the more popular one because you know you would draw more attention to the festival, or, or no?
1: The reality is that I will never know the followers because I will have, I will never check that. Okay. That will never be for me a reference at all.
0: Do you think other people check it though, or not? I mean, I don't know.
1: I think in my work. In different ways. For example,
2: yeah.
1: um, Recently, I was invited to work in the in the develop developing se- section, the work in progress section of this film festival in Spain called S8 S8. It's an experimental film festival, and one of the artists that were showcasing showcasing her work in the festival, it was Valentina Alvarado. Uh, and before I met her personally in this festival and before I got to see her work for the first time in this festival, I will follow her on Instagram and she had an Instagram in in which she will post frames of her work process or little, uh, little pieces of her work and I already knew by the vibe of her instagram that i was gonna like her work and she has quite a lot of followers i mean quite a lot not too much
2: yeah
1: but then it was when i met her in the festival and i saw her work that i was like overwhelmed by the beauty of it i was like this has been one of the the best discoveries and encounters she's a wonderful person and her work was breathtaking Mm -hmm. valentina alvarado that's her name but I didn't think that when I was following her on Instagram, I was like, oh, this artist seems in- interesting.
2: Mm-hmm. But
1: that was about it. I needed to see her work.
0: You, do you think because you saw how, you know the full thing, how it's supposed to be uh, presented, was why it had a, a bigger effect
2: on you? Definitely. Yeah.
1: Definitely. I saw her work within the frame of a festival where the audience, was the right audience to absorb and understand her work and respect it and and she was given us uh, the proper space and the proper context to present it, but imagine okay, imagine I've been following this artist on Instagram, and I'm like, mm, her work looks good, yeah, and then I go to this festival and I see her work, and I don't like it right I don't mind if she has three hundred thousand followers,
2: true, yeah yeah. yeah.
1: I don't mind it at all is never going to affect me. It's going to affect her if she does a fundraising campaign, for example. But that's about it. Interesting. I mean, I I have no idea. Okay, like like I said, all the universe is so new. Yeah. And and that we don't know. But this is my current intuition at December 2020. In two years, this might change radically.
0: Yeah, I think that if you can directly, you know, sell as like your own distributor to, uh, you know, if you have that many people following you, then that is a big deal. Because then you, I mean, you wouldn't even have to apply to festivals. If you had that many, you could just be like, oh, I made this short. It's on Vimeo on demand. You know, here you go. here's the link if you want to check it out. And, you know, you could potentially live off of that, you know, if, if you got that many, but it would be, I think, quite a bit, you know, to, to be able to do that. This
1: is interesting what you're saying, because a conversation that has been happening recently is a differentiation in between content uh-huh. and filmmaking. Right. Filmmaking is a form of
2: art. Sure.
1: But it's created to exist on its own right you need to absolutely know what you're creating like we said before but your your main goal with this thing is not to make money mm-hmm. your main goal is to create the thing
0: yeah but you can't create things you don't have food you know
1: but with content is different if you're creating content your goal is not to create the content your goal is to place the content in places that are gonna give you money. It is different. Okay. Yeah. It's completely different. It yeah,
2: is.
0: Yeah, no, you're right. I think it is different, but I think that you could, I I don't know, I've never done this, you know, but I just thinking about it is that if you, you know, yes, you'd sort of like be feeding content, which I don't like, you know, to to get to that level where then you could say hey guess what i made a feature or i made even a short whatever it is which you know that could be uh as legitimate as as, as can be but um but then your mind is sort of like in both worlds and i kind of agree that you know if you're if you've been doing one thing for so long you know it's like people will like um uh, even like the title for something is like you're sort of tempted i think if you're making like i've never done this but i think if you're making a youtube video you title it like five helpful tips or like you know like how to something because you know that people are going to click on that right because it, you know it's sort of like a promise to them they're going to get something out of it whatever. but so if you made then your movie and your movies like you'd be like and your movie's called you know like flowers of you know something and then and then it's like why am i gonna click on that like that's nobody's gonna click on that you know like (laughs) what does that even mean to that so then it's kind of like it's a different thing for sure yeah i
1: understand but i mean of course we need to eat yeah and and of course we need resources to continue doing what we're doing if we don't come from a wealthy background or environment and it's true that certain platforms are offering independent artists the opportunity of monetizing their art. Mm-hmm. And I highly recommend to any person to do it.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Like if you're an independent artist and you find a way of monetizing your art, go for it and fund your own future. But there is a thin line in between monetizing your art and creating content to be monetized. You know
0: creating content to be monetized like uh, like yeah I mean yeah I don't know I I think I think it's I think I think I think about it too much I think I worry about not having money like a lot <laughs> I, I, you know, I was thinking about like like one psychological reason I think may that might be though is I mean yeah I'm getting older and you know I I'm trying to quit my job and all that but I think even like as a child, like I remember my, because you talked about this, my, your parents, like my parents, they, my, my parents, my dad's a teacher and, um, very not artistic. Like he's writing stuff now, but like sort of like all the weird stuff that I would do, this, whatever, was not cool at all. It was like a thousand to stop doing that. Like I remember I had like a camera on him, stuff, he like put that away, like very serious. And, um, but I think that in my own mind, it was like was a little bit of a tangent, but it was like they would be into it if it made money. Like if I did this weird shit and it was cool, but they, don't, they would if it made a bunch of money, they'd be like, you're a great son. You know what I mean? And I think maybe that's the only way that I'm I know in my heart. That's like the solid truth. And there's no way like around that. So maybe that's part of my like I worry about money because of something like, you know, related to that.
1: Do you don't even know how much I relate to this thing that you just said? Yeah. My parents are the same way and they don't do it in a conscious way. That's right.
0: but they're not being jerks.
2: It's just natural. That's, what they,
1: that's exactly. That's what they know. And that's what it thinks better for us. And when I made my first picture, my parents were so concerned, like, yeah. Like they were treating me like I was addicted to heroin, like like something crazy. Like yeah. you are about to be in a mental institution. Like you are dedicating six months of your life to work on this passion project, and you're not getting paid for. It was so hard for them to understand. And I was like, "That is an investment. If I make this movie and it's good, I'm gonna get a reputation. People are gonna believe in me. They're gonna offer me other opportunities." He will not. But I understand they had this fear that I was going to fail, that I was going to end up homeless. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I I the,
2: understand. Yeah.
1: it's very hard for us. Mm-hmm. It's absolutely hard to rewire your brain to think differently and very hard to find ways of sustaining yourself economically while you're doing what you love. And I think that's the reason why muscle makers are professors. There's a lot of professors that combine their practice with teaching. There is a lot of filmmakers that work on advertising. Tons of independent filmmakers because advertising pays really good. Mm. And you can freelance, do gigs here and there and then put that money into projects that you're passionate about. And I mean, me, I confess that I do that as a post-production coordinator and post-production producer. Um, A lot of the times you do things that you're not ethically um, aligned with that. You're not morally aligned with that. That's that's absolutely not what you want to do. Like. But. Yeah, you're trapped. Sometimes you have no choice, like this summer time, for example, um, I had an opportunity of teaching a filmmaking class to kids from underprivileged communities, yeah. kids between 12 and, and like 16. I was so happy. I was using my knowledge to teach these kids that otherwise wouldn't have the opportunity of learning filmmaking. Yeah, it we good. had a lot of fun, it was really good, but my salary was really, really, really low. And that was really hard for me. I was like, I just did something that that I believe in, that I'm passionate about, but this is not enough to sustain myself.
2: Right.
1: So it's hard, it's hard. But I feel like most filmmakers, they combine their career with some other um, jobs. Mm-hmm. And some filmmakers, they're just rich and that's that.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's tough, man. Um... So we got three left. We'll try, let's try to go fast and so I won't keep you all night. Um, what, uh, uh, do you think that, that you sort of have to be, uh, have some pain to make something that's good or, or you don't have to have that? Like, and it kind of goes with like, are, are all creative people, people that like cool stuff, are they all like a little bit crazy, do you think?
1: Oh, you mean if, you, if we need to have pain or if we need to be crazy?
0: Well, just kind of both of those kind of things. Do you think that you have to be like crazy or like have gone through suffering to make something that's good or to dig something that's good?
1: Okay. I don't believe in suffering during the process. And I think if you're suffering, you need to work on yourself. There is some work that needed to be done That hasn't been done. So, if you're suffering during the process, which we all do, is because we all have things to work on ourselves. Because the reality is that we should not, we should just have fun and enjoy and have pleasure doing what we do. And then, if we're crazy, no. Do you think we're crazier than a person that decided to cultivate potatoes? No.
2: No, we're just normal people.
0: do know I, our- I kind of think I'm a hundred percent more crazy than that potato guy. But like, I, I also <laughs> think going to work. You don't
2: know potato guy.
0: <laughs> yeah, you're you're right. He could be a dick. Like, but I, I I feel like, uh, people that go to work, like with with like in an office, like that seems like the most crazy thing you could do. Um, like. Oh, that- but
2: guess
1: what? It goes with personalities. Yeah. Sure. I, I'm discovering that there are people who feel extremely comfortable with having an order and having a structure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And extremely fulfilled with responding to a small tasks and completing them throughout the day.
2: Yeah.
1: And those people are thriving in an office environment.
2: Yeah, yeah, thriving. Yeah. And I'm
1: happy for them and yeah. i'm happy for them for sure it's just probably it's not my place
2: yeah but yeah
1: yeah who am i who am i to criticize if that's their choice yeah i mean sure. who is true and i'm this is undeniable that the capitalistic system is leading these people into thinking that is all right right and sometimes it's not all right because sometimes you're not getting the the benefits and in the work environment that you should be provided with but all i can say is that there are people that feel very comfortable doing things that are organized that are repetitive they like routines yeah they like a small task to be completed and i i'm happy for them
0: (laughs) yeah um what uh okay so if you ask me what my favorite movie is i i tend to think like i would break that question into two uh two categories or whatever which is like i tend to i i could answer like what i think is like maybe the most well made movie like the combination mm-hmm. of the cinematography the writing the acting all that and i could tell you one movie and then like a movie that just kind of hit me when i was like Going through puberty and like it always stuck with me, and like that, and in, in, in my life. So, um, for both those things, most well-made movie and you know something that really like like hit you in your life. What I mean, off the top of your head, it doesn't. You're not married to this, but what would you say for each of those?
1: I believe that choosing our favorite thing is a very Western mentality. Like uh-huh. again, capitalism is forcing us to do our top ten. We're top 40, our favorite. The truth is that everything that you encounter throughout your life is giving you something, even the bad things. Yes, sure. So I'm not the best friend of this type of um, questions, but I'll do it. I'll do my best. So probably. You you can,
0: you know, you don't have
1: to. Probably one of my best, my favorite films, and probably I'm choosing this because I watched it, I rewatched it recently, and it's very fresh in my mind. And it's not that original, but it's just so good. Probably one of my favorites of all times, combining all those things you said, is okay. Daisy.
0: Uh huh. Yeah, one of my favorites as and
1: well. One of my favorites. I wouldn't say my favorite, is too difficult, right? But I just rewatched it recently, and holy shit, it's so good. Yeah. And, um, And then a film that created an impact on me um, when I was growing up, uh, I'm gonna say that when I went to see uh, The Sky Turns by uh, Mercedes Alvarez, which is uh, a Spanish uh,
0: filmmaker. Yeah, I've never seen that.
1: I think it was the very first time that it was very clear to me that I was watching a film in which fiction and nonfiction were completely mixed. Mm. Yeah, I like that. And, and I was fascinated by this new thing that, I, that it was happening in front of my eyes. I was yeah. very young, and, and I didn't watch many movies. Well, I didn't watch many interesting movies growing up yeah. because I was living in a little town, like I said, uh, the only video store that it was closed by, it was a blockbuster.
2: Yeah.
1: Uh, we only had four channels on television. My parents, we were like middle class. No way they will buy me VHSs. Yeah. Like it's something. When a movie is playing on TV, you can record it in the VHS. Which you're gonna recycle and you're gonna record on top of it for the next film. You know what I mean, like classic novels.
0: How did you get into it, though? Like as a as a grown up? uh,
1: I decided to study journalism because at the time it made sense for me. Right, I needed to do something that could be monetized, like you said before, like a job. Yeah. And I decided that the closest thing to a job, that it was also kind of like adventurous and creative, it was journalism. So I signed up for it. And when I went to college, I was studying with the same people that were studying advertising and cinema. So what cinema and television, it was cinema and television, journalism and advertising. So that was my first encounter with, with interesting films because in, in college, we had a videotech and you could go and watch films from different directors in different countries. And I was like, oh my God. Yeah. So I spent a lot of time watching films there and discovering, and that definitely hit me hard. I was like, wow, I'm in the wrong, I'm in the wrong path. I want to do that.
2: Yeah, I like that. But
1: <clears throat> I feel like the way, I, naturally, I always knew that the way I express myself is with images. Better than with anything else. Mm. No, not the way I express myself. The way I understand the world.
0: Yeah, I can. No, I can see that. I feel that way too. Where I all I always think like I've been like socially weird, especially growing up. And it was like uh, I, I read something about people that are autistic. They it's like a pictures thing. And I don't know. This woman. Have you heard of that woman? Uh, she like wears cowboy shirts. Have you heard of? Do you know who I'm talking about? No, she's, uh, They made a movie about her with I think Claire Danes was the what played her, but she was. Um, it's she's like a great story. I forget her name. I you could probably look it up easily though. But she um she's autistic and she knows she's weird, right? But like she's like okay, I'm gonna like do what I can to like fight this and, and like so she would. Um, but she loved animals and she she like developed she like was like really good with animals. So she developed like the shoots that they have cows go down when they're going to be slaughtered, but she developed them. So the cows like it because they like would, they, they would like stop at a point And then the guys would have, like prod them and stuff. And they were like mean, you know, sort of like crude to the animals, but she, she also like, there's a thing where they squeeze the, uh, the, the cow. Um, I think when they're checking it or they, they don't do something to it, so it stays in place. And it's something about the squeezing is like a comforting thing to the animal. And she herself, when she was like 12, I think her, she grew like her grandma had this on a farm. And she was like begging her grandma to like, let her be squeezed in the cow machine. And her grandma's like, what are you doing? Like, why would you want to do that? But then she finally like let her do it. And she's like, oh, it was like the just like she thought it was going to be like the greatest thing for her. And um, but so then she grew up and and sort of like became like really like this weird genius at like building the the animal shoot pathway things, whatever. And it was like down to the last like there's a light here. They're going to get spooked by that. You have to move that over here and like just cool stuff. And um, but then now she gives like speeches and she's still like a little weird. But like a lot of it is like kind of how she overcame, you know, these obstacles. And I think there's a scene in the movie. I didn't see it yet, but where she's like she knows she has to get the contact information from like one of these like you know they're old timey like rancher guys like they're not having it for her you know when she looks all like you should see her outfits super cool like crazy shiny cowboy shit you know
1: I love her so much already you have no yeah, idea
0: really great yeah and she has like you can go on youtube and just her speaking to audiences and stuff but um so then i guess she had to like she was like sort of like kicked out of the thing like i don't want to buy your system or whatever and then she's like okay i have to go back and get his business card but the very difficult for her to do that and it was like she was like a challenge and she wanted to huh so super cool i don't know how we got to talk about that but (laughs) but
1: we're talking about that some people they have preferred language yeah
0: visual thing right 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 so that was what it was yeah
1: Imatriz is my preferred language. For that woman, probably animals is her her preferred language.
0: Yeah.
1: Probably probably feelings is her preferred language. Yeah.
0: It was something about that where I think she wrote a book and it's called like seeing in pictures or something that reminded me of that where it's like a visual thing and that's just how, you know, it seems natural to you but maybe weird to others. And it reminded me of, yeah, how I kind of feel like that too sometimes. Um... So we're getting, I think we're at the end here, uh, the moment we've been waiting for. Can I ask you, um, what happened to your eye? And I didn't know just the first, you know, whenever I first hung out with you, until you brought it up, that, you know, there was anything different about your eye at all, but um, I was, I was kind of, I was like, when, it, when a waiter has, like, a scar or something, I, wa- I will ask them, like, oh, what happened? Like, I, I have something about me, yeah. like, physical things like that
1: so um i was born without an eye like literally like that so my parents were very young they were 26 when they had when they had me i guess back in the day that was normal and uh you know that the the sonograms were not that advanced at the time so they didn't know they found out when i was born okay and uh so yeah i was blind in one eye and um
0: so there was just nothing there, or like it—it it was there, but didn't function. Well, there,
1: there is there is a dysfunctional thing there, right? Okay. But it doesn't really work. Yeah. So, um, yeah, my parents were really cool in that sense. They were like, "Okay, this is who you are. We love you the way you are. You should love yourself the way you are, and you're gonna be able to do anything." Yeah. That was key to me they always told me it doesn't matter that you're blinding one eye you're beautiful you're gonna you're gonna get your partners you're gonna you can choose any career except for being a pilot you, you cannot <laughs> you yeah. cannot drive planes but otherwise you can do everything and yeah. that was very beautiful actually like in that area my parents did a good job and and now sometimes I think about being a filmmaker and how cameras only have one eye. Uh, and yeah. I'm like, probably it was meant to be, you know? Yeah. And that's-
0: Because you have to close the other one when you're looking through it anyway. That's fine. I don't
1: need to close it. And I need to confess that sometimes I close it because I feel self-conscious.
2: Wow.
1: <laughs> you know, because it, I think for the piece, if I have a set in front of my camera, I think it's really weird that I'm like, staring at that person with the open eye, like- Right. right. <laughs>
0: yeah so sometimes i just like oh,
1: but i don't really need it you know
0: i got an i got an eye patch because i find one camera it's like easy to do it and it feels natural but i don't know the other camera it feels like it hurts or something and it's hard for me to do it so i put an eye patch on this eye and just look through it the other
1: see i don't need the eye patch yeah. it's, it comes it comes out really, but yeah. Bert, my husband has the theory that I will look really cool with an iPad when I'm an old lady. So probably. Yeah.
0: No, that's gonna be good for sure. <laughs> Where can people find you know your stuff if they want to you know they see you and they're like oh she's cool how do I you know learn more about Ro? like do you want to give out your Instagram or anything like that?
1: Yeah, they should uh, send me an email. I work really good with emails. Emails like. I'm on them. Yeah. But I have an Instagram account too that is not necessarily focused on my work, but email is yeah. rosilmesa at gmail.com is so easy. I think I was the first person getting a Gmail account because there are many people with my name in Southern Spain. Okay. So yeah, easy. And yeah, like I can send links to my work to yeah. anybody. That is kind enough to want to see
0: it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. Do you want to um, like spell out your Instagram or, I mean, whatever, you know?
1: Yeah. My Instagram right now is Rocio underscore underscore Mesa. So that's R O C I O underscore underscore
0: I always forget to say this part, but uh, if you want more, uh, RyanJamesCoyle.com.
2: And uh, I'm on Instagram at Ryan from Dreamland.